All right, well, welcome to this great new series called Character Matters. And by the way, how many of you thought Pastor Brian did an amazing job last Sunday while I was on vacation? I love that young man. I'm so proud of him, and uh, what, a, what a great leader for our students. If you've got a high school or middle school student, you, you just need to introduce him to Pastor Brian. What a great young leader he is. And I was on vacation and uh, with my family. I climbed a mountain. How many of you guys know that? I, I climbed a really big mountain. You don't know this story? Hey, let me show you. Here's a picture. I actually climbed a real mountain. Take a look at this. That's the top of Mount Quandary in Colorado, 14,265 feet. And I know you're looking at that saying, look at those four athletes and then the one guy in the gray shirt. How, how did he get all the way to the top of a mountain like that? Listen, I can tell you the truth. That was the hardest thing I ever did. There's no air up there. I was a struggle. I did not get to that mountain by myself. In fact, you get to a mountain like that because you have other people that have gone before you. One of those men has climbed all of the major peaks in the world, Ararat, Kilimanjaro, all the 14ers in Colorado. He was my guide. And I literally followed everything that he told me to do. Every bit of the training, six weeks of training, and all of the stuff he told me how to do. I followed not only everything that he said, but I literally followed in his footsteps. And that's how you get to the top of a mountain like that. It's not that you know how to do it. I didn't even make the summit the goal. It was, I'm just going to go the next 25 feet in the footsteps of the one that's in front and that's how you accomplish a big goal because you say, because they're showing me how to do it, I know I can do it. And that's why we're going to study the series of uh, this, this series called Character Matters. And we're going to look at the men and women in the Bible, the great heroes of faith, people who succeeded and they got to the top and they made it. And their voices speak back to us with an expertise of only those who have gone the distance and who were successful and they can speak back to us. Because how many of you know when you're in the middle of something, you can't see what to do? I mean, we have advice for everybody else, don't you? Haven't you ever said to somebody with a problem, oh, you know what you ought to do is, <laughs> right? But when it's your problem, it's hard. You can't often work on it when you're working in it. So, so we're gonna have these folks talk to us as if they literally leaped out of the pages of the Bible, stood here and said, follow me, walk in my footsteps, I'll show you how to climb and you're gonna be successful. The basis of the whole series is found in the book of Proverbs, one verse, and many of you have read this before and I'd like you to find that. It's in your notes, it's in the little sheet that was given to you in your program or find it in your Bible and you wanna mark this verse. This is a key verse in the Bible, you wanna highlight it um, put some red marker on it because this is what we're going to go after the next several weeks all through the rest of the summer together. Scripture says this. Here's the scripture for our entire series. Commit to the Lord. In fact, read this with me. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. One more time. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Now, Lord, I pray that you will show us how to be successful. My goal is that we will learn how to do it right, that we'll cross the finish line, we'll have done it well. Teach us by your Holy Spirit today. We hold nothing back. Do what needs to be done in us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you heard that verse before? Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. I've heard that all my life. That's a famous verse in the Bible. I've known it for years. I thought I knew what it said. 
In fact, all the commentators will say this verse is actually the total opposite of what most people think. All the commentators say that this is a total opposite idea, okay? Tim Keller says that, you know, the Proverbs are, you know, you've heard of the meat of the word and the milk of the word. Well, the Proverbs are like the hard candy of the word. You can't just bite them. You can't just swallow them. You can't just chew on them. You have to dissolve them slowly over time. And that means think. That means you have to meditate. I want you to think about what this verse actually says. Are you sure You read it correctly? Because what I think we hear is this. Commit your plans to the Lord. See, put that verse back up so I can explain this. Commit your plans to the Lord so that what you do will be successful. I think that's what we hear. In other words, God, give me the right plan. Show me what the right plan is so that in the execution of it, I'll be successful. And that's not what it's saying. He says something totally opposite. He says, he says, listen, he says, commit what you do. Commit to the right actions today. I mean, commit to doing right things. This is about character. This is about becoming the right kind of person. You become the right kind of person that does right, you're going to make successful plans. You become the right kind of a person, God says, then go ahead, make your plans. I'll bless them and you'll be successful. And that's why we're going to study these men and women because these are men and women who speak, they've gone the distance and they've said, we became, God brought us through and did something in us. We got to know God in such a powerful way, we can tell you how to follow. They'll they'll literally show us the steps to walk in. And it's going to be a very eye-opening experience as we dissolve that verse through their lives over the next several weeks. I want to start with Abraham. Arguably the most famous man in the entire world. And I say this because you think about the impact this one man has had on the civilization of this planet. All of the Christians, all of the Muslims, all of the Jewish people, you think of the majority of the population of the world, those three major world religions, and every one of them look to this man as the father of their faith. That means that if you don't understand this man's story, you can't understand the world. Do you realize that everything that's happening right now over in the Middle East, all that conflict, do you know that the roots of that go all the way back to what happened in this man's story? So we need to understand who this man was. We need to understand the impact of how this one man really changed the whole world and what God did in his character. His story picks up in Genesis chapter 12, where we, where we are first introduced to him. This is what God said when he called Abram. Look at this. God said to Abram, now go from your country, your people, leave your family, leave all those people, those idol worshipers really, that are holding you back from following me. Leave them behind and leave your father's household Leave all your security and go to the land that I'll show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I'll make you to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So look at this. It just says it so matter-of-factly. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. 
And he was 75 years old when he left Haran, the city where he lived. Now, don't let that business of Abram and Abraham throw you, okay? Abram just means father. Abraham means father of many, which is what God changed his name to later. So, like, if Abraham means daddy, Abraham just means big daddy, okay? So don't let that all... It's just easy to figure out. Don't let that throw you off. Just track with me. We're just going to say Abraham just to keep it clear. But God told Abraham, he says, I want you to leave and go. Okay, where are we going? I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, go. Leave all your security. Leave your family. Leave your job. Leave everything that you know. And I want you to start following me, and I'll fill you in along the way. What? You know what you and I would have said? I need some more information, please. We would not just go. In fact, at 75, most of you are trying to keep things as stable as possible. And he is going, I want you to leave your entire family and go. I'll make you a great father of a great nation. What? I'm 75 years of age. And my wife is barren. Her name's Sarah. You're going to find this out. She hasn't been able to have children. There's too many unanswered questions. What I want you to realize, there's a lot to worry about in this little call. And yet Abraham does something that makes him great. There's something about Abraham that makes him the great man of vision that he was. I mean, what causes a man to stand apart from everybody else to say, I don't care what's going to happen with you, but I'm going to do what God tells me to do? What is it in a man that gives him that kind of character? Well, it started off with just faith. God told him to go. And there were a lot of things that he would not have understood. Like, where are we going? No GPS coordinates, no map, no destination, no, no, here's the way in which you're going to go. And how are we going to have a child? I'm not going to, listen, it'll all work out. I'll come through. And Abraham said, you know what? I don't need to know all those details. I'm going to go. Abraham believed God. That means he had great faith. Now, I want to take this word faith and just make it really unmysterious because a lot of you have heard faith for so long, it doesn't mean anything anymore, and some of you, it's just a mysterious word you can't wrap your head around. Here's what the word faith means. It means this, simply trusting when I don't understand. The ability to trust, I mean, that's the only time you need faith. If you see your way clear, if you know what to do, if you have it all figured out, you know how, when, why, you know that all, you don't need anybody else, you don't need any faith, you just know. But faith happens when you don't know the answers. Faith is required when there's information I don't have and you're being asked to trust. This was the message that God gave to Abraham. When you don't know what the answers are, and so this message today is for all of you who say, well, I don't understand what God is doing. I don't understand what he's up to. What God is going to teach Abraham through his whole life is, Abraham, you're going to have to follow me by faith, but know this, and this is the message of Abraham's life, I will always come through for you. In fact, put this up on the screen and let's read this together. This is the message of Abraham's story. God always comes through. Say it with me. God always comes through. What did the preacher preach about at church today? God always comes through. That's the message of the story. God always comes through. And we have to start here because there's been times in all of our lives where we have said, well, I don't know if God's going to come through. 
There's been times when we have said, um, I don't know if I can really trust him. I don't know if he's going to do what's right. I don't know if he's going to do. God, are you sure? Have you ever said that? You're going to need to have faith to follow God. Now, I'm not talking about blind faith. There are some people who say, well, I just don't do blind faith. How do you expect me just to, you know, jump off a cliff and just believe? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of belief where you just admit, okay, God, you're so much bigger than me. There are some things that I just don't understand yet. Or how about this? Like, God, you're so much bigger than me. There are some things that I'm okay not knowing right now. Or a sense of, God, you're just so much, your ways are so much higher than mine that I will just trust that you'll fill me in later. This is not blind faith at all. This is what you would expect from your children when you say, look, I know you don't understand and I know you're giving me all this flack, but you have to go to school today. Trust me, you're going to thank me later. You've said this. Or when it's light, some of you with young children and it's totally bright at 10 o'clock and you're saying, I know you don't understand, but it's time to go to bed. Okay, when I went on this mountain trip, listen to this, I, I trained for, for the six, six weeks, bought this gear that was expensive, bought a plane ticket to Colorado, and the, the guy who was taking me did not tell me what mountain we were going to climb. There's not a lot of people in this world I trust like that, okay? To do all of that work and to spend all that money and to say we're going to, and to carve out the time and then to go buy a plane ticket, and I don't know what we're going to do, but, but here's what you need to know. I have a long-standing relationship. This is a friend. This is a person that I know is reliable and trustworthy, and he's an expert, and he's climbed all of these mountains in Colorado, and he's been to the top of these great mountains. And so when he says, I'm not really sure which one, but I'll let you know when we get there, because of our relationship, I say, you know what? I'm okay with not knowing until later. You understand? That's not blind faith at all. I have every confidence in his character. I have every confidence in his ability, in his expertise, and I simply make a decision that says, okay, I'm just not going to know all the facts until later, and I'm perfectly okay with that. And truthfully, I trusted that he would know the mountain that was appropriate to my level of ability and skill and that he would see me all the way to the top, which is exactly what he did. That's what faith in God is like. It's not blind faith, but it's going to require faith in someone. Instead of having all of the information, you're going to have to trust a person. Abraham didn't have all the information. God did not tell him what, how, where, how long, how this was going to come to be, but he had a relationship with God, and God said, I want you to go, and Abraham believed in who God was and what he was like. And the Bible says that because of that belief, God said, I will credit righteousness to you. In fact, all Abraham really did was just believe that God was going to give him, make him a father and that God was going to lead him to a promised land, a destination. Abraham said yes. And on the basis of that belief and who God was, what he was like, I believe I can trust him. God says, I will give you all the righteousness you need. Now, that's really important because as Abraham started to follow God, he started making a lot of mistakes. You see, there's, there's this thing called worry that will come up when God doesn't do what you think he's going to do when you think he's going to do it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever, have you ever figured out that, that, God, I want you to do things, and I, did I hear you right? Uh, 
are you directing me and God's not doing what you think he's supposed to do? And in that moment, you do things that you say, wow, I can't believe I did that. Have you ever under pressure or in anxiety done things that in your right mind you would never do? But, you know, it came out of your mouth because you felt the pressure. You, you said something you shouldn't have said. You made a decision that was a dumb choice. Abraham makes a ton of those. Now, he believes in God, but God's not doing what he expects, so he starts to get anxious and worried, and he starts to make mistakes. By the time three chapters have gone by, from chapters 12, when God spoke to him, to chapter 15, he has made a whole bunch of anxious mistakes. Have you ever been there where God didn't show up like you thought he was gonna show up? When somebody you thought should have been around a lot longer was taken quickly? Or when you were ejected and you're just supposed to forgive but you didn't know how to do that? Or God said, this is what I want you to do. And you said, well, I'm too afraid to do that. Or you took matters into your own hands and tried to make it work out your way. If you've ever felt like that, you're going to relate to Abraham because this happened to him over and over and over again. By the 15th chapter, he's made so many mistakes. He's feeling so bad at his mistakes. Listen to what God says to him. Genesis 15 verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. Uh, you wouldn't expect God to say that. Don't be afraid, Abraham, because I am your shield. I am your great reward. What an encouraging word from the Lord. This is after he's made a bunch of mistakes. What do you mean mistakes? Well, you know, God, I'm, I'm insecure. I mean, I stepped out. Ten years have gone by, and there's no child. Ten years, we're not in the promised land. We're still living in tents. All of our stuff is unprotected. Anybody could come and attack us and kill us. They think my wife is beautiful. They're going to kill me for her. I mean, there's a whole list of stories in there where Abraham starts making bad choices out of fear. And you know what God says to him? I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to struggle. I knew in your anxiety you'd make mistakes. That's why I credited righteousness to you the day you believed. Abraham, don't be afraid. I am your great reward. I am your shield. I'm your protector. And see, some of you needed just to hear that today, that God is saying to you, quit being afraid. What are you worried about? I've got you. I will come through for you. Ten years later, Abraham is struggling. And he, you know, he hears God say that, like, I'm your, I'm, your, I'm your protector. Don't be afraid. And he's thinking things, okay, God, I believe, but okay, maybe this is how you're going to do it. Chapter 15, verse 2. Maybe I'm not going to have a son. Maybe Eliezer, my servant, that will be my son, and everything will go to him. I see what you're trying to do. And God says, no, I'm actually going to give you a real son, flesh and blood. Okay, how are you? I'm like 85 years old now. How are you going to do that? My wife is barren. God says, I need to give you a visual aid. I'm going to help you with your faith. God doesn't explain everything to him, but he says, let me give you a picture. And sometimes this is what God will do for you. He's not going to explain it all, but he gives you these little fingerprints to let you know, I'm with you, and look what I'm about to do. He takes him outside and he says, look at the stars. Count them. Abraham goes, I can't count them. Well, you see, that's how many descendants you're going to have. I will keep my word. I will come through for you. And he's like, okay, I, I see this. Okay. And he believes God. And the scripture says right there, verse chapter 15, God credits righteousness to him because he believes. But he doesn't get it. 
I mean, he wants to get it, but he's still making mistakes. By the time you get to the 16th chapter, the reason why I know he didn't get the visual aid, he and Sarah are sitting there going, Sarah has still not had a child. Look at this. Sarah still hasn't had a child, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Plan B. God, you're not coming through. See, this is the big lesson Abraham is learning all through his life. I want you to get this lesson. God's saying to him, Abraham, I'm going to come through. Abraham, I'm going to come through, number one, even if it takes too long. Even if it takes a long time. Have you ever been there? Have you ever said, God, you're taking too long? God, I'm, I'm praying and you're supposed to, you said you were going to do this and you're not doing it. And you're anxious and you're worried, you know, and you're wondering, you're, 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 you're doing things, uh, making things happen because he's taking too long. You know, isn't this what happened when Jesus in John 11 was a little late and the two, the two sisters of Lazarus come out, Mary and Martha, and they say, Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. You took too long. You ever said that to Jesus? Worry's the enemy of faith, I'm telling you. It chips away. God, you're taking too long. I better take matters into my own hands. This is what happened here in chapter 16. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had this Egyptian slave named Hagar. She said to Abram, the Lord's kept me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can build the family through her. That's what God meant all along, plan B. So Abraham says, okay, let's do plan B. And you know what? This was a disaster from its conception. In fact, the conflict that entered into Abram's family, Abraham's family, at this moment has never left. All this conflict that's happening in the Middle East. Do you realize that this son, Ishmael, was the father of the Arab nations? Always in conflict from the son, the descendants of Isaac, the Jewish nation, still going on today. Even in that mistake, God did not withdraw or reject Abraham. He just said, you know, I knew you were going to do this. I will never give up on you. I will always come through for you. But, but I want to tell you, impatience creates complications. And when you take things into your own hands and you, and you fail to trust God just because you think he's taking too long, <laughs> I mean, he takes a long time. I mean, listen, some of you already know this, and some of you are not going to like what I'm going to say, but, but you just need to know this. God is notorious for taking a long time. <laughs> he takes a long time. You know that old church phrase that says he is seldom early, but he's never late, but he's always right on time? Well, it's always a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, okay? It's always longer. You heard of the guy who said, uh, God, what's a, what's a million dollars like to you? And God goes, nothing. It's like a penny. So then the guy says, well, God, what's a million years like to you? And God says, nothing, it's like a second. So the guy says, God, can I have one of those pennies? You know, and the guy, God says, well, sure, just give me a second. You know, just. <laughs> I'm telling you, impatience is, is, a, is a hard thing in our on-demand, we want it now. I don't like to wait in a line more than three minutes. I mean, when was the last time you waited and didn't get irritated? It was just more than three minutes. We don't like to wait. And here's the thing. Second uh, Peter uh, verse chapter 3 says this. God's not slow in keeping his promises. Look at this. As some understand slowness, meaning that's your time. You know, what you think his speed ought to be. Instead, he's being patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. 
So he's being patient with you, and he's trying to get you to become patient. Trust me, I will always come through, even when you think it's taking too long. I will never not come through. Trust me. The, third, the second thing Abraham had to, to learn was, I will always come through even when what I'm saying sounds crazy. By crazy, I mean, write this in your notes, ridiculously impossible. That's what crazy means, okay? Like, there's no way. Eventually, they just gave up. Abraham and Sarah went, well, okay, we moved, we left, but I guess God's not, maybe he's not going to come through. He's now 99 years old, and she's 89. He can't have children with anybody at this point, not even, let alone Sarah, who is barren. And that's when God says, okay, now's the time. I was waiting for this to get humanly impossible so that now I can come and show you what God says is possible. And in Genesis chapter 18, verse 10, God sends an angel to say, you thought it was impossible, you're 99, about to be 100, okay, I will surely return to you about this same time next year, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Totally specific, a year from now, your wife, Sarah, will have a son, your son. Now Sarah was listening, and she's laughing. She's hearing this, and she's saying, you know what? ridiculously impossible. And the angel says these famous words. Why, Sarah, why are you laughing? And these famous words right here in the Bible. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, what can't God do? I was just waiting till it was humanly impossible to show you that it's all me. And then he says this, I will return at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Look at that word, appointed time. That means God had the time appointed all along. There was no ambiguous uh, when it was coming. God had it appointed. Listen, friends, God knows the day of your birth. He knows the day of your death. Stop worrying about your life. He's got all your days numbered. He's got a plan for you. He, he's moving everything that's happening to move you towards an expected end. Think how much, how much less worry you'd have if you just realized there's nothing too hard for God. Not only will God come through on his timetable, but he can do anything. The lesson Abraham's learning through these stories, you know what? God always comes through. And a year later, she gave birth to her son, and she called him Isaac. You know what Isaac means? It means laughter. <laughs> and she, every time she looked at him, like, what? <laughs> like, you're a ridiculously impossible. How do we have you? I mean, this is amazing that you are our son. Here, here's what, the other part of scripture, Romans chapter four, gives us insight into what was going on in Abraham's head. Look at this, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham believed. When those messengers came and said, a year from now you'll have a son, you know what he did? He just said, okay. I don't understand, but I'm learning, God, you always come through. And so he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be, like all of the stars. Now, without weakening in his faith, look at this. He faced the fact. This is no, like, I'm not looking at reality, la, 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 blind faith. No, he says, I faced the fact that I looked at a body that was 99 years old, good as dead, and a wife that was barren, and instead of that discouraging me, I did not waver through unbelief. He regarded the promise of God. He was strengthened in his faith. 
That's my goal for you today, that in spite of what looks impossible, God says, I will always come through for you. He gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Isn't that good? God has the power to do everything he's promised to do. I'll always come through. I'll be right on time, and I have the power to do what I say. I'll come through. The third lesson Abraham learns in his life is that God will come through even when it doesn't seem fair. This is not, God, you're taking too long, and this is not, God, uh, it's too hard for you. This is, God, you did something, and I don't like it. This is, God, I don't like what you're doing. This is unfair. Have you ever said that? You ever accused God? You ever said, God, what? Why? How could you do this? And you got stuck, and you said, if he was a loving God, and you got upset. Part of Abraham's life is God teaching. Even when you don't get it and you don't understand and you think I'm being unfair, I will still always come through. God made a decision in Abraham's life. A few chapters later, he says, I'm going to destroy a city called Sodom. This was a terrible, wicked city. All this out-of-control pride and arrogance and rebellion against God. I mean, it was, it was a, a city of lust and, you know, the sodomy. The word comes from there. That's exactly what was going on. And God looks at this city and says, because of your pride and your rebellion against God, I'm going to wipe out this city. And Abraham has an issue with that because his nephew Lot and his family lives there. And Abraham goes, whoa, God, will you destroy all of these unrighteous people along with the righteous? Like, come on, God, it's not fair. Look what he says in chapter, um, chapter 18, verse 23. Abraham approached God and he questions God. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? I mean, if there are 50 righteous people in the city, will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50? And he goes on to, to say, you know, as he, as he negotiates with God, how about 40 people? Would you still wipe it out then? How about 30 people? God says, no, not for 30 people, I won't. How about 10 people? God says, I won't destroy it for 10 people. Finally, Abraham realizes he's not getting anywhere in this conversation. It doesn't make sense that God is going to destroy the righteous along with the wicked. He says this, God, will you really treat the righteous and the wicked alike? Far be it from you, will not the judge of the earth do what is right? You know what that says? Questioning God is not wrong. It is not a sin to question God. It's not a sin to have a doubt. It's not a sin. I mean, Jesus on the cross says, my God, my God, why? I mean, it's not a sin to question God as long as you say, okay, I'm questioning you, but I'm still going to do what's right. See, this is when you need faith. Stop trying this quest of understanding everything. Like this quest of it has to all make sense to me. Like, I'm gonna re you're going to reduce God down to the size of your brain so that you understand it all, and then you can say, well, God, now I'll decide if you were right or wrong. <laughs> Stop trying to... It's not going to happen that way. It just means frustration for you. You are not... Your brain will not understand. His ways are higher in your ways. You know, in fact, there's a way that seems right to man, the proverb said, and we thought it was right, but it ended up being the wrong thing. It led to death. So half the time, we don't even know what we think is right. We think it looks right to us, but it's wrong. And God says, you can do your questioning, but be like Abraham, which was, God, I don't know what you're doing. It seems unfair to me, but I'm going to pick up my doubts and keep following you anyway. Like Jesus, who had his questions, God, why? But he finished 
his assignment and went all the way to the end and did what God put before him. What do you do when you disagree with God? That's when you need to trust him. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I believe that you always come through, even if I think you're being unfair. It's when you disagree that you need to trust. A lot of you, there's stuff that got you hiccuped and got you parked because you thought something God did wasn't fair. You know what? Pick up that doubt and just start to follow him again because that's what real faith really looks like. You don't need faith if it all makes sense to you. Let me give you the last thing that, that, that Abraham really learned. And this is what's amazing. For, from chapter 12 in Genesis to chapter, through chapter 21, you have a picture of a man who's doubting, who's questioning. He is struggling. He's trying to figure out, God, I don't, this makes no sense to me. And he's made all kinds of anxious mistakes. By the time you get to chapter 22, God shows us the man Abraham 30 years later who has been perfected in his faith. A man now who says, who knows, God, you always come through even when it makes no sense. This is the last one, number four. God, you always come through, number four, even if you make no sense. Genesis chapter 22, verse one starts this way. Sometime later, so 30 years later, God tested Abraham. Why did he test him? Because God, God already knew Abraham's heart. He wanted Abraham to see what he had become. He said, Abraham, here I am, he replied. God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, the one you laugh about every day. Take that son of the promise. Take him to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. What? That's exactly what Abraham would have been like. Like, what are you saying? This seems so unfair. This makes no sense. Yeah, take him to Mount Moriah. You know Mount Moriah, that mountain in the center of Jerusalem today where the temple used to be and now is no longer. The Jewish temple's gone. There's that gold dome, the Dome of the Rock, is on the top of that very mountain, that rock. What's the rock? The rock where Abraham was told to go sacrifice his son. That's how important this man is to what's happening in the world today, okay? So he says, go, sacrifice your son. Verse three, what did Abraham do? Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, took with him two of his servants, his son Isaac. They cut enough wood, a lot of wood for the burnt offering, and he set out for the place God had told him to go. What? That means, okay, this means that Abraham went, this makes no sense, this is totally unfair. I don't get it, but I've learned enough at this point in my life to know. I know this about God. I know who he is. He always comes through. God always comes through. I, he's not even worried. The worried man he used to be is gone, and here's a man who says, you know what? I know he always comes through, so we're just gonna go through with whatever he says. I don't understand. I don't get it. It seems unfair, but he goes, and here comes, he says to the servants, he says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go over there. Look at this. We will worship the Lord and we will come back to you. Look at that faith. God always comes through. He's going to come through here. Isaac speaks up and says, Dad, I see the, the fire and I see the wood for the sacrifice, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says the famous thing, son, don't worry about it because God always comes through. God always will provide, he says, the lamb for the sacrifice. He always comes through. Don't worry about it. 
You know the rest of the story. Goes up to the mountain, builds the altar. The trust between the son and the father is so great. Grown son lays himself on the altar willingly. Dad picks up the knife to sacrifice his son, and God cries out, Abraham, stop. I already knew your heart. I don't want you to sacrifice your son. Look, there's the lamb. There's the ram in the thicket that I provided already. And Abraham said, this is the place. On this mountain, it will be known that God always provides. Abraham knew it. He'll always come through. This is what Hebrews said about what was going through his mind. I love how scripture interprets the scripture. Don't make things up. Just look to see what the Bible has to say. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He, Abraham, who had embraced the promise, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that the descendants are going to come. The offspring, like all the stars in the heaven. And Abraham reasoned, well, if God can raise the dead, you know, he can raise my dead son. I mean, he, he just figured God will even raise the dead. And so in a sense, he got, a, he got his son back from the dead. Now, here's the big question. We can get all excited about the Bible, but let's just bring it to reality. How in the world do you get to that place? How do you get to the place where you say, you know what, I'm not going to worry anymore. God always comes through. Wouldn't you like to get to that point where you just walked with a sense of peace that passes all understanding? God, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious because I have relationship with you that's proven over time that I don't worry anymore because, God, you always come through. Even when I don't think it's fair, even when it doesn't make sense, you're not taking too long. How do you get there? Okay, here's how you get there. Write this down, okay? The more you know him, the more you're going to trust him. It's that simple. The more, the more you know God, the more you trust him because you understand what he's like. So the longer you walk with him, the more you go, you know what? He has been faithful. And I know what he's like. In fact, Psalm 8 verse 10 says this. Those who know the Lord, trust him. Those who know him, see, stop giving up. Give up this idea that you have to understand everything. Give up this idea, this quest for having all of the facts. Like, like you're praying, God, show me your will. God, I need to know what you want me to do. God, lay out the whole plan so that I can be successful. That's not how it works, and he's never going to do that. Make the goal getting to know him. Make the goal just getting to know him and follow him. I mean, don't try to shrink God down to the size of your brain so that you'll figure him out. Just say, God, I want to know you teach me. Stop praying this prayer. I'm serious about, God, I just need to know your will. Like, I got to know what you want me to do. Listen to me. You want to know what God's will is? You want to figure that out? If you love God and you know him, you're standing in it. You're in the will of God. It's flowing all around you. The current, you're in the current of God's will. He's working all things together for good. He's moving you to his expected end. You don't have to know it. In fact, Abraham didn't even understand what God was doing. Abraham didn't even see all of the ramifications of what God was doing in his life. But God, was, God never left him. See, here's the thing. We want God to do what we want. We don't even know what we want. We don't even know what's right. How many of those prayers did you pray in your past that you say, woo, I'm glad God didn't answer that one? 
like that person you wanted to get married to or you're worrying, I need them to marry me and you looked him up on Facebook the other day and he went, ooh, good Lord, thank you. Phew, glad that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, I think back to my 20s and about a third of the stuff that I prayed for was probably right. And about the other two thirds were like, man, I'm glad God didn't answer those prayers. Because when you're 20, you don't know anything, okay? Because you just think it all has to be your way and then you look back with some perspective and wisdom. But here's the scary part. I think I have a little more wisdom now, but what's the percentage now? You know, like, how do I know that everything that I want or I'm praying for is what God wants? So I've stopped worrying about that. I can't know what it is. I don't know what God's will totally is, but if I know him and I have this rooted confidence, God, you always come through. Think about what Abraham would come back and say to you today. He comes back and gets in the middle of your struggle, your disappointment, your discouragement, your anxiety, your climb, and he just walks alongside you. And he, you know what he would say? He'd say, man, what are you, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? The place you're worried about today is where you're not trusting God. What are you worried about? I can tell you from my life, he came through. He did everything he said he was gonna do. See, you want peace, you want security. Stop looking for God to tell you all the details. Just trust that he's got the details. See, God's will is more something he is doing in you than something he's just gonna give you, okay? That was good, write that one down, okay? God's guidance is something that he's doing in your character. He's, he, he's, not, he's not concerned with all of your mistakes and your problems. He already credited righteousness to you the day that you believed. And he's using all things, mistakes, problems, obstacles, fear, all of that he's using to shape your character, to make you who he wants you to be so that you'll be successful. This isn't just for Abraham, friends. This is for us. And I've been through uh, the dark valleys of the soul with a lot of people, some of you in this room, and I've been in those moments where, you know, there are no easy answers, suffering, grief, um, people, you know, they were taken and we thought they would have been here a lot longer. And there's always this pressure to have the right words. And I've learned there are no right words. There's nothing I can say that can fix somebody's problem except to help a person recognize don't put all of your hope in this earth. It's not all that there is. I want you to have an eternal perspective. We don't grieve, the scriptures say, as those who have no hope. This life is not all that there is. For those who believe in Christ, who have believed, death is not even the end that this isn't even goodbye, this is just temporary, this is see you later on the other side, that we have the hope of the resurrection, the blessed hope that if Jesus was raised from the dead, we too will be raised and we'll live with him forever and this life is just a short portion of our existence. And you, that scripture that says commit to the Lord, whatever you do and your plans will succeed, here's something to do. Just start living today with an eternal perspective. Like how you spend your money and how you, how you uh, live your life and the plans you make and the people you invest in and what you do. If you start living today with an eternal perspective, you're going to start making different plans, but plans that will make you successful. See, this whole thing, it's all about an eternal perspective. God says it's not about, you know, earth will disappoint you, but I will never disappoint you. 
And you start following me, you walk with me, I'll take you through life and even to the end. You know, Abraham figured this out. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. One more scripture, look at this. Abraham, this, this saved his life. Because if you think about it, Abraham never saw all of the promise of God in his lifetime. Look at this, verse 9. By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger living in a foreign country. God is saying, this earth is not your home. You're just a temporary resident here, and I've got a future plan for you. You're just passing through. By faith, he lived in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did his son Isaac and, and his grandson Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. God told me to leave my family. He'd make me a father of a great nation. He would give me descendants I couldn't count. I had one child. That's all he saw. We lived in tents. I never had anything permanent. Even my grandkids lived in tents. But you know what? We had our eyes fixed on the promise of what God was going to do, and we never lost sight of that. And we lived our lives all the way to the end based on the promise God gave us. And we learned this. He always comes through. And from the other side of history, other side of eternity, Abraham would come back and say, everything he said has happened. God used my family to bring Jesus into the world, the hope of the whole world the Savior of the world. See, this wasn't just for Abraham. This is for us. You've made many mistakes in your life trying to believe in God, but in anxiety, making mistakes, doing wrong things, messing things up. And God says, I knew you were going to do that. I knew that you couldn't believe like you want to believe. So I sent my son Jesus in the world. He died on a cross. He rose again. He paid for your sins. And because you believed in him, you believed in what he did for you. I credited all the righteousness that you need. I will never give up on you. I will never leave you. I will always come through. That's the message of the gospel. I'm going to leave you with the last scripture, Romans chapter 4, verse 22. This is why it was credited to Abraham as righteousness. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. To us who believe in him, to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over death to death for our sins, and he was raised to life for our, our justification. I don't know where you got parked, what disappointments, what struggles you faced, but God says, you know, just believe in me and follow me. Pick up your doubts and walk with me. Believe in that. I'll give you all the righteousness of my son Jesus. I will never leave you. I will always come through. Do you receive this today? It's God's word. Let's pray together. I want to pray for people who are struggling with understanding God, why the business failed, why the marriage failed, why God hasn't done what you thought he should do, why this person we think is gone too soon. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for people who've been discouraged. I pray you'll encourage them with this message today. God, we may have to wait till heaven to understand it all, but we don't need to understand it all. We, we just know that you love us, that you gave your son for us, that you're going to never leave us or forsake us, that you will come through, and we trust you today. I want to encourage you today to put your trust in him like that. If you could say, Darren, I don't know anything about that. I don't trust him at all like that. I'm worried. I'm fearful. 
I haven't put my faith and trust in God, would you just pray this prayer with me today? And maybe you believed a long time ago, but stuff happened, disappointments, stuff you thought was unfair and you quit believing. Today's a day where you can pick up your doubts and say, I don't understand it all, but I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I don't know how I know that, but I believe that, that he died for me, he rose again, I believe that. I'm gonna pick up my doubts and keep following. Let's pray that together. Just say it like this, Jesus, I believe you are God's Son. You died on a cross for me, you rose again. I just say that by faith. I am sorry for holding you at a distance. I'm sorry for being my own God and doing what I thought was right and resisting you and sinning against you. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And today, Lord Jesus, I wanna start following you. Help me with my unbelief. I bring my doubts to you. I trust you today from this day forward that you will come through. I believe that with all my heart. Now, Holy Spirit, fill every person who's praying that prayer. In fact, if you're praying that prayer with me right now, just raise your hand that you're praying that God would give you faith. You want to believe. You want to, yes, all over the room. There's so many of you today. Lord, fill these people with encouragement, with your Holy Spirit. Give them the courage to just say yes, to take the next right step, to, to be baptized, to, to talk to someone, to to believe, to do what it is that they've had a struggle with doing, help them to take the next right step and lead them, Lord, to the place where one day they'll stop even worrying and know you always come through. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I hope you receive that today.